Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. And it's time to put the kettle on, because it's tea time. Well, Craig, how's your week been? Is it all right? It's been very nice, yeah. You started a... Uh, coronavirus is coming back, isn't it? You've got it in Wales now? Congratulations. Uh, uh, yeah, it's an achievement. We've, uh, we've unlocked two boroughs. I've been locked down. So, uh, yes, yeah, again, fairly shady of you. Mm. Not as bad as England, though. I hear England is uh, quite considerably worse. Um, we're not feeling it here particularly. Well, I mean, it's obviously going on all the time. But um, in the recent news, it's all been about the all the cases seem to be in Wales at the moment. And Scotland. So, actually, uh, England's oh. doing all right for this week. But we'll see. Um, yeah. Well, so news has been a little, a bit samey for me, uh, going through my normal sources. Um, but I will let you know what I've got. Please fire uh, away. Right. Well, first of all, Hitachi ditches its UK nuclear power project. Oh, Hitachi. Yes. Yes. Hitachi, Hitachi, Japanese they company. Pulled, they pulled out of Anglesey. We're talking about like coronavirus hitting Wales. And then Hitachi go and say, yeah, remember that thing we're building on Anglesey? Yeah, it's not going to yeah, happen anymore. anymore. Yeah. Even though we just signed a historic Brexit deal with Japan, and the Japanese company just goes and pulls out. Yeah. Well, let me explain they? a little bit more then. So, the, so first of all, it's a 20 billion project uh, in the, um, am I pronouncing this more right? Will for Newith? Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, in Wales, um, it was already suspended last year, but it's now it's being completely axed, along with a similar project in Gloucestershire. Um, the developer, Horizon Nuclear Power, which is owned by the Japanese conglomerate Hitachi, confirmed this morning that it was fully winding down all of its current development due to difficulties in securing additional investor partners. Um, and mm. Tom. Griatrex said that uh, no electricity generation source has saved as much carbon as nuclear power has, and their only hopes now lie in a long-awaited energy white paper the government has been saying they'll produce and there is expected to be published in the coming months as to whether there is any way to re-energise these projects. So, do we like that? Do we not like that? I mean, what, how do you feel about nuclear? Um, I think it's uh, a means to an end. I think we need this in order to get out of the current crisis we're in. Yeah, nuclear potentially dangerous, but it's also very clean. And for where we want to get, get rid of coal burners, I think nuclear is the easiest option we have on the table right now. Mm. Renewably or not, that's just what we have. We should use it. I, I doubt that the, the projects that they were doing are the most, because there are some technologies which are super clean, and actually I would probably support those completely anyway um mm. even if we had solar and, and, and wind um i'm not sure exactly what they're what they're going for but um but yes, no, i would generally agree with that that theory there um in other news it's been the lost decade for nature the rspb accuses the uk government of missing majority of un biodiversity targets uh, Becky Slate, the chief exec at the RSPB, stressed that the future nature targets must be made legally binding in order to prevent the ongoing loss of wildlife. <laughs> um, 
which is I hear this a lot, Marion, about making things legally binding like that. That will solve everything. Yeah, I mean, as if you've been keeping up with the Brexit news, we're apparently treading unlegal binding turf right now, and nobody seems to care. So yeah. I'm not really sure what that will change. But um, it more controversial when they try and break it. That's all. Yeah, I never heard of um, RSPB's aim on this, but I think it's generally been slammed as a massive failure. And it's not just the UK, the entire world has missed all these targets. Mm. So. I think the, the government claimed that it had, um, I think they had like 20 odd targets and it claimed it had done 14 of them, but um, their report says, no, you've done more. <laughs> so, well done UK, done a good job again. Um, am I allowed to talk about this one? Only because it is kind of a big thing at the moment. It's not UK, sorry, but Lucid Motors. Can we talk about that? Um, I think so. I think if it's a cool bit of technology, we should share. Thank you. Um, well, so uh, do you see it? They, so they have their announcement, their launch this week of the Lucid Air. I haven't. Um, so, you know, it's another Tesla killer uh, that's come along. Um, but uh, I kind of like it, actually. It's obviously ridiculously priced, just like the uh, Model S was to begin with. It's like 130000 plus. Um, uh, to buy the thing, they're, they're starting with the doing exactly the same thing as Tesla. They're starting with the most expensive, most luxurious one first, and then they'll slowly uh, get it down further and further and further. Um, but um, their announcement was basically this, you know, beautifully to put together a marketing thingy with all that. You know, you can just imagine the voice, mm. all that sort of stuff, and it was all very. Um, artificial and, and, and nasty but um and i was kind of like okay it's a beautiful car um does look pretty cool but it, and i suppose it's got 500 mile range and it can charge faster than a tesla and all this sort of stuff and i'm like, okay well okay fine it sounds interesting but let me see it and let's see what actually happens before i get too excited what made me change my mind a little bit was when I understood where Lucid had come from. So Lucid was previously called Ativa, and they supplied all the electric um, power generation, um, what's it called? Powertrains, sorry, um, and battery technology for the Formula E series. I don't know if you've seen oh, any okay. of that. Um, I it's actually, it's, it's a good series because it's, it's, so it's electric cars. Um, I think in the first season they had to like, they had to have two cars, they had to like, they did like half the race and then they had to pull in because they ran out of battery, getting another car and then, and then rejoin the race. That's how it worked. Um, so that was a bit rubbish. Um, but by the second or third year, they sort of scrapped that and they can now do the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's a very close uh, sort of street circuit style racing. And they're just, they are, you know, whereas Formula One, they can, you can never get close enough to overtake each other. This is like, you know, they're all literally going with this much gap between all of them. It's it's super fun and they all smash into each other and stuff. Um, but yeah, so they've been building the technology for that, which uh, means that they have, through doing that, they've miniaturized their electric motor done a little bit, which means that they've enabled hmm. them to increase the amount of space that you've got in the car. Like they've got, I suppose they've got the biggest frunk um, uh, of, of any electric car. And they've managed to change the shape of the car slightly to make it the coefficient better, the drag coefficient, so that it's more um, efficient. Um, 
So yeah, I actually think it might actually be an R. As in, I could see why someone would choose the car. I would still favor Tesla, the fact that you've got the software is much, much better and you've got obviously autopilot and um, <coughs> things. But, um, but if I had to pick, if I was going, if I had the kind of money to spend 130 odd plus thousand and essentially your choice is the Model S, the Porsche Taycan and the, not yet, but it will be the Lucid Air. I could see that that would be a fair, which one do I go for? And I, if I wanted an exclusive car that everyone else has got, then yeah, I, I, I'd pick the Lucid Air. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, nope, I haven't heard about them. I haven't watched any Formula One, really. They sound like a shoe brand, but sounds cool. <laughs> okay. I'll let them know. Um, right. Um, that was all I had. That was it. Oh, kind of left me in uh, sort of like uh, anticipation for more of it. I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was all I have. Lisa, there. Uh, that's that's all I've got. That's good ones. Um, I, I got a few, so I'm just gonna quick fire through them. Uh, I think a lot of them are self-explanatory by the title, but um, let's begin. So based on the absolute climate nightmare of us failing biodiversity targets, there has been climate uh, groups who proposed certain things the government should do going forward, not only put things in law, but also tax frequent flyers and get rid of SUVs. So <laughs> get rid quite, of SUVs. Uh, yes. The most popular car type in Europe. It's the most fashionable type right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they're electric, I assume that's fine. Or maybe they're trying to say, get rid of, uh, you know, petrol and diesel SUVs. Those yeah, I know, but it's just, well, I mean, obviously I'm all for, all for it, but um, it is the most bought type of vehicle, I believe, in Europe. So. Makes sense. That would cause issues, but yeah, cool. I, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm kind of, I get the fashion trend towards SUVs, but they're just very impractical for a lot of day-to-day -day life, especially in Wales where we have small streets, um, in the valleys where, you know, streets were built over a hundred years ago for horse and cart. These SUVs are just, they're just not working. It's basically the equivalent of the American um, pickup truck uh, thing where you always feel like you, there might be that reason why one day you might need to put something in the back of the car. So, It'd be useful to have one. You put the pit seats down in case you need to do that, or you know, what if I want to? What if we have? What if I have friends over? Maybe so you end up with this space that you don't need ninety nine percent of the time for that one trip. Yeah, and the, and exactly, Americans do exactly the same thing with their pickups. Drive yeah, around. That, that, that makes sense. One day they might need to carry a freak. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, get rid of SUVs and tax frequent flyers. I think the frequent flyer thing kind of makes sense. Uh, I think we mentioned in the last couple of shows that. Only 4% of the world has even set foot on an airplane, which is a mad number. And wow. some of those obviously fly a lot more than others and tax those people because they are quite a big damage to the environment. Um, next piece of news. I'm not sure if you saw this one, but the UK's first EV only service station. It is opening soon. A service station? What does that mean, sorry? So, you know, you're in a typical service station on the M4, got your Greggs, your Burger King. All right. However, okay. electric vehicles only. Cool. So you can I, I've been trying this. to think ever since the drive through last week that we mentioned, I've been trying to think 
you know, what what else could you make which was EV only? <laughs> and I don't know why really, but um, like I can see like someone doing like you know you got like disabled parking spaces nearest the building. The next up maybe the EV only spaces because well they're closer to the to the restaurant or whatever it is, so therefore you know you're less likely to get the fumes. But I was wondering if there's other things like that where maybe there's a car parking area that only EVs can use because it's in the middle of the high street or something. Stuff like that. It's gonna, they're going to happen. Well, they are. Yeah, I mean, I think the service station is a good start. I suppose the shops on this place would cater directly to EV drivers who are a certain type of market demographic. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure why you'd have there, really. Yeah, I don't really get the, like, why... You know what the reason would be, what their what their theoretical excuse would be. Like if it, like I said, if it was because you're they've got people around and they're parking in the middle of all these shops and stuff, then then mm. But if they're not doing that and it's just a park, you know, like normal, there's a car park outside and you walk into into a mall, then I don't really see why you would exclude them other than just to make a point. I think that's kind of what it is. It's kind of a more of a novelty type stop. Um, just looking at photos of which we should definitely share the articles to look at this. It looks pretty cool. It looks all brand new, swanky. It's got a little plug on the side, you know, that type of thing. It's not a thing where you're like driving past them on the motorway and they pull off. You're kind of thinking, ah, yeah, there's another one. It's just going to make EVs just seem like a bunch of dicks, I think. If you... It is, yeah. There's no reason. When, uh, <laughs> you're, you know, slowly surfing, you know, your, your vegan shake when uh, your car's charging. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, other than that, under electric car news, Scotland are often offering £20,000 interest-free loan over five years to buy a second-hand EV. That's 20, pretty cool. 000. Yeah. So what could they get for 20 k electric vehicle second-hand? Well, o- older Tesla's. <laughs> yeah. It's um, I mean, you'll, you'd have to... I'm assuming you can add on top of that if you want to. Oh, of course, your own money. Yeah, this yeah, is a I mean, 20k yeah. interest-free five five-year loan from the Scottish government. So, uh, I haven't checked, but I would imagine you can pick up a Tesla for about 30 by now. Second-hand, the second-hand market strong for Teslas. I would, I would think that the the moment the second-hand for threes, which is the one that's in that that sort of price range, probably mm. not much because I, I haven't checked, but um. The, the there's a bigger market for S's and X's, but they started off at 100,000 to start with, so you know, there might be 50, 60,000 by now, but not not 30. But yeah, as as model three, second hand model threes come on the market, then then sure, cool, cool, okay. So that's that seems Scotland. like a really cool thing. Yeah. Only Scotland, <sighs> I mean, fingers crossed, private truck, fingers crossed, where else come next because uh. As I've mentioned, I would like to join the EV revolution, but it is Cyber truck, cyber truck, cyber truck. Um, another piece of news, uh, Microsoft, they basically put a small capsule, well, I say small, it's a, a data center capsule into the sea off of Scotland, Scotland again, and they've just brought it back up after two years to test its performance. And um, what they've learned is that they should have sealed it. Well, what I've learned is basically that the servers uh, react pretty well and to see. Um, obviously, 
controls the temperature in a very efficient way. Mm. Um, that they're saying this is now a really eco-efficient way to run uh, big server farms. It basically put them in the sea, which is pretty cool. And they also saw, weirdly, um, a very low error rate, one-eighth of what we would normally see in a server farm. And they're attributing this primarily to oxygen that people breathe when they're walking around the server farm. Uh, these capsules were filled with nitrogen, which is more helpful to electronics and doesn't guess where you rust, for example, and any sort of uh, oxidization, which can oh, harm right. them. So people breathing causes issues. So putting, putting server farms in the sea sounds like a good way. Nice eco-friendly thing that Microsoft has figured out. I've got, okay, but, and I appreciate you may not know the answer to this one, but um, if we're putting servers in the sea because they are hot and you want to cool them down, then surely if you put them in the sea, then that heat is then going into the water around. Yes. I thought increasing, I, I know that the sea is like a, a, a bank, if you like, a heat bank, mm. but surely that's just making that problem worse. Um, I suppose it depends. I mean, the sea's got plenty of volcanoes. There's a lot of volcanic acting, you know, action, and a lot of heat doesn't ever get to the surface. And these capsules are fairly deep. I can't see how far deep they are, but um, yeah, not really sure. But um, deep, mm, as, deep, as, like as, deep became, as deep as they can. If it became like you know, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more and more of them. Then it's just. Mm. There's more, way more ways to heat the sea up, but this time from the bottom, not from the top. I don't know. It sounds like one of those things that later on they go, actually, do you know what? That was a bad idea. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but uh, let's, let's bury more on the sea first to find out. Yeah. That seems what, what Microsoft's going to do at least. At least they did a proper test. Yep. And in two years, it looks good. So they might continue. Um, next piece of news, Google. What's Google been up to? Microsoft been burying stuff in the water and Google's gone ahead and basically erased its entire carbon footprint that's ever created. Okay, how did it do that? Well, it's been carbon neutral since um, 2014, I think. And effectively, it's now sort of backtracking and all the carbon it's ever created and it's now got to zero. Mm. By offsetting. Offsetting mm. is kind of cheating, but well, yeah, what are they doing? Are they just buying credits or are they planting trees? I mean, what you know, what are they? Uh, yeah, they they plant they're planting trees as well. I mean, again, this offsetting, so it's kind of cheating. Oh, sorry, two thousand seven, they became carbon neutral, not fourteen, way early. And yeah, they're kind of laughing because uh, Microsoft's idea is to get to uh, carbon neutral by twenty thirty, and they were already there, you know, twenty three years ago. That's lovely, but it's not. Uh, but we, I think we just lost a bunch of forests in um, in America. So um, if we could, uh, oh, wildfires. Yeah, <laughs> you know, burns trees. He's going. He's replacing them. Yeah, it's kind of a problem, there, isn't it? Um, but yeah, Greenpeace think this is a great thing. Uh, they've uh, commended Google for doing this, and it sets a new high bar for the sector. Oh. So let's see other companies follow that. Um, Wales, going to some Welsh news. So there's a sustainable food packaging hub, which is now launching in Wales. And it's got investment from the Welsh government too. And 
again, as it kind of sounds, the idea is to make sustainable food packaging. Right now, they come in a variety of different shapes and sizes. Uh, kind of what Loop are doing, they're trying to standardize that to make them recyclable. Uh, that could become a Wales-wide thing sooner rather than later. I hope so. It annoys me. I'm... It, it, really, it really does. Because um, I think we discussed uh, previously as well, like certain plastics can't be recycled, some can. Um, in Bridgend, where I live, they can't recycle black plastic specifically. Other mm -hmm. plastics are typically okay. That's okay. So, I mean, I'm all right with that. But like in, um, we've had some really weird rules. Well, basically, I, I again, let's make it a law, but then will that actually work? Um, if, it has if it has the recycling logo on the, on the packaging, Mm. It would be good if the councils were legally obliged to therefore count to therefore recycle it, because that there be are good. some things that say recyclable and they don't recycle. So you put them in your thing and then they don't take them, or they reject the whole lot because it's got it in, and that's just stupid. Yeah, I mean, half the battle is going to be education, really. Uh, what's what's recyclable, what's not. Um, obviously, people sell pod, silly things in with everything that could potentially be recycling. And because we don't have the manpower to recycle things correctly on the street, uh, the entire package gets, just gets ignored, even though one thing could be wrong. So you have a perfect bag of recycled plastic, but oh, accidentally there's a Snickers wrapper in there. Where did that come from? Who knows? Someone chucked it in as it walked past. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they'll just reject the entire lot, which means, especially now, because in Bridget, we'll be alternate recycling and refuge. We have recycling one week, refuge the next week. All that plastic is now going to get black bagged. That's just what people do. They need to get rid of it, and it can't be sitting in a you know the recycling bag which they need for other recycling. So mm. laziness takes over, unfortunately. Barry, we should do that idea of putting a microchip in it and then seeing, seeing where it goes. Yes, we should. Uh, but talking of annoying, BP, um, they seem to be coming from annoying to now becoming the best friends of green. And they've joined the chorus for calling on early ban of petrol and diesel cars. BP of all people are saying let's ban petrol and diesel cars. I was going to mention them later, but yes, 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 it's true. Uh, I, they've, they've, they're also funding some offshore wind farms in America, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, they look like they might actually be. I think they're also doing some, doing some partnership. I think for electric car charging in their stations i think they might actually generally be trying to do something good fantastic uh, i should have mentioned that i could have kept them as a perfect segue for you but moving on um ever heard of an ai powered ship like a like a board ship an ai powered ship or an ai controlled ship uh Powered is the way they've worded it, but controlled is basically the same okay. thing. Uh, yes, I have. I think there's one. I can't remember. I think it's. I feel like it's somewhere on the east coast of the of the of the country. Some sort of yes. fishing thing, maybe. I can't remember. Well, not necessarily east coast. Um, this this guy called the Mayflower uh, was an AI AI powered ship set sail uh, this week for trials at sea. Uh, to basically try and do some environmental research missions. And it's completely AI-powered and off it goes from Plymouth. Ah, oh, good old Plymouth. So, uh, yeah, nice bit of uh, stuff there. I personally never heard of an AI-powered ship, so interesting to see how that works out. Well, uh, also... There's less obstacles, that's a good thing. 
It's self-driving yeah. without all the other cars. Yeah, we kind of talk about all these uh, electric vehicles, which are all pretty cool, like trains, cars, bikes. Kind of forget about the, the humble little ship that does most of the stuff around the world, really. Well, so they're, they're AI controlled, but they're also becoming electric. I couldn't, I didn't go into it because it's not UK news, but um, there is um, a company in America, in Chicago, I think, um, and they are pioneering or moving forward with their electric, um, what do you call them? Can't remember the name of them, but those little small passenger boats, basically. Um, pontoon boats, I think it's called, pontoon boats. Um, okay. So that's becoming a thing too. Nice. Electric boats. It's going to take a while if we get anything large, like a ferry or anything, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's a start. Yeah, I mean, I'd assume ferries are already quite electric in a sense. But um, okay, that's cool. Um, other news, um, authorities, um, they have this week charged, well, first of all, do you remember the fatal driving, uh, self-driving crash that happened? Uh, a few years back. Let me get the exact date. Which uh, 2018. The it's the Apple? only one. The very first oh. one, Uber. Oh, um, that was something recently. First time a, well, this one is 2018. It's the first one ever. And it was uh, an Uber self-driving car that killed someone. Right. Um, and this week, they've now basically charged the backup drivers, the guy who's in the passenger seat. Uh, they've charged him with um, dangerous driving and manslaughter, I believe. Right. Yes, I think I saw that. Yeah. So he's, he's been been charged. Oh, with negligent homicide. So, yeah, that's not very good for him. I mean, quite horrific, really. But it's the first of his case and the first of his kind. So it's interesting how they go. Um. What car was it? Do you know? Um, was it actually I run thought, by Uber? Or is it? Uh, it's part of Uber's self-driving stuff. So the actual car itself, not sure. But presumably he was supposed to monitor it and make sure that it did its job. And then he didn't. <laughs> as he's as he's being given negligible manslaughter, that's such what they're saying, isn't it? You were supposed to look after uh, it. Yes, basically. But he's correct, the correct of, of he is also a she. She's been arrested. Oh, is it? sorry, I thought you said I thought it was a guy. I think I think I did say he. Oh. But uh yeah. Uh it seems that she was using it for all the time. Even though she says she doesn't, uh, but the camera shows that she might have been fibbing. <laughs> fibbing. That's a very nice way of saying she killed someone. I'm not sure we can say we're fibbing. I think we should go with lying. Yeah, so she's been charged, uh, sentencing, and how long it'll be for would be uh, decided 11th of February, 2021. So, fair time. Not really sure how they can do that. It's quite a hard one, really. But mm. that kind of sets the standard for what can happen if you actually kill someone while, you know, in a self-driving car. Before, yeah, well, we were kind of discussing who gets the blame, and it seems like maybe you would. Uh, which, for the, as it stands, that's, that's right. Mm. As in, as it's no one saying that these cars are fully self-driving yet. Until that day happens, then it should be the driver's fault because their responsibility to look after the damn car. 
obviously short of it yeah. accelerating outside of their control, whatever, that sort of thing. And he's unable to stop it. Then he's able to stop it. Then he, he should be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then moves on to another piece of fun news uh, in Coventry, uh, where another e-scooter trial has been put on hold indefinitely because people are taking the pee. So <laughs> this is the second one we've discussed. Um, and yeah, I mean, this doesn't seem to be going really well in the trial in the UK. Um, some person has branded as hell on wheels, having kids on mopeds. Sounds like a cool brand name, but um... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well done. Sorry, Coventry. Yeah. Uh, Coventry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, not, not going well. Not going well. It was, was it the youths again? Uh, it doesn't say. Like, the last time, yeah, they were chasing like nans and supermarkets and stuff, but I don't think it was that bad this time. It's more of like skipping red lights, riding on pavements, ignoring uh, cycle lanes. Very not so bad things, but it's kind of showing perhaps the ignorance and naivety of people who just don't understand what scooters are. Uh, but wait, remember last time, uh, was it London? That, wherever it was last time, um, we pointed out that the before it, the trial started, they were, it said that they were supposed to have driving licenses or something. Yes. Before they were able to use the scooter. It turned out that they didn't have driver licenses because they were most of them teenagers anyway. Um, yeah. So did they correct it for Coventry or were they also um, non driver licensed people who don't care about or don't even know what their um, road rules are? Um, I'm not sure actually. I guess. Is it that's, probably. Doesn't actually seem to suggest again. that. Hmm, maybe. I think this was a different company, so maybe they've just learned a different lesson. But, um, yeah, so this is brought domination on the scheme in, entirely. And the campaign of the National Federation of the Blind says this is one of the worst things she's ever seen. I can't wait for e-scooters to disappear from the UK. I know it's an inappropriate job, but it's just funny for her. The... <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh dear. I mean, yeah, electric vehicles in general must be quite a hindrance for blind people. That you yeah, I'm not can't, can't hear them. I don't want to take away at all from the uh, genuine fear they must have. Um, it's just funny to hear anyone from the blind association saying anything that was the worst thing they've ever seen. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Case in point. <laughs> um, final. <laughs> The final piece of news, which um, is not really fitting into our sustainability sort of uh, news chorus, but I wanted to share this one anyway, and it's that we have recently, this week, found signs of alien life on Venus. Now, you must have seen this. I haven't, no. I was also too much on the sustainability news and not on just random things about planets. How it's a random thing. We potentially found aliens. That's a, that's a bloody good thing. I mean, it's a bit, it, it, well, sure, but uh, absolutely. But it's maybe we should put it on a different show about. <laughs> maybe. Not... I, just, I just want to talk about it because, like, I kind of, I don't know, for me, it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective that, you know, we're, we've got a really ideal world here. We seem to be destroying it. Venus is a destroyed world. 
Um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Venus was like Earth back in the day. Maybe Some people three, even four, say that we came from Venus. Billions ago. <laughs> Maybe we did. Maybe anyway, we did. Um, what they found? So this, this was uh, a plume of... Um, let me find the exact science of it. It was a plume they found basically at the planet's atmosphere, which seems to suggest um, it's, it's the type of thing that happens when microorganisms die. So they were able to determine perhaps that all microorganisms, like bacteria maybe, not nothing, there's nothing like little green men, but bacteria could be living in the clouds of Venus. And so somehow evolved from the surface back when it was habitable to live now perhaps in the clouds. And so it could be very, very small um, microorganisms. And it was phosphine gas that was recorded. Oh, what, micro, my, what microorganisms do you know of, maybe you don't know any, live in our skies, clouds? Um, I don't think there are any, but we do have microorganisms that live on the base of volcanoes. And Does it maybe live in the water that's in the clouds that would be the rain? Because surely, yeah, okay, fine. Very potentially, but I don't think there are water in the clouds of Venus. They're different chemicals, so they are a very much a different organism we don't understand. Um, and obviously the next... The next idea would be to go and have a look. Have a look, yeah. I think Weird, I, weirdly, I'm going to provide you a link of saying it's it's sustainability news because uh, we can't live here forever. So, you know, venturing outside is part of the sustainability spectrum. I think so. And we've discussed Mars, so let's give Venus a fair shout. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the average temperature is uh, 464 degrees Celsius. So when never going to go there but i'd run out um, of too quickly so sort of as a as a viable planet that human life could have perhaps lived on four billion years ago and now it's just an inferno we could see the way we could be going if we keep this up and on that news what's today's topic all right well today's topic is we've touched on it a couple of times but um i wanted to go full in depth you know, as in-depth as we go on this show, um, into uh, investing, because uh, and investing specifically in the future that we want to see. That is my topic of the day. It's a, it's mm. a personal topic, a bit like when I did the plant first. I, <laughs> it's another personal thing that I'm doing. So I've got some information for you, which I'm going to share. So I've been investing for about, uh, 18 months to two years now um, and I had so never done it before maybe specify investing first of all you mean financial investing not yes. anyhow so putting money into an investing stock market yes so I've been sorry I've been investing in the stock market I have been buying shares of companies that are real and exist um, and I've been putting my savings into those companies for them to <laughs> spend it as they wish uh, and then for me to get a return via a price increase of the share price. Now it's something that historically was very, very hard to do. You needed to have a broker that sounded scary all by itself. Um, and like, if you wanted to make a trade, you'd have to call up your broker and that's where the whole sort of buy, buy, sell, sell things is people would call them up in a panic and they're watching it die. We go, please sell my shares now. Um, so that was the old way of doing things. But obviously nowadays we have, we have, we have phones and on phones we have apps and apps can now do them 
instantaneously and uh, in the last few years at least um, there's been an increase of apps that allow you to do that for free because that's the other thing uh, back when I I did look into investing about about maybe five or ten years ago because um, um, my friend was doing it I thought you know what is this what is this weird phenomenon um so i did but i did get a trading account i can't remember where it was now but um uh but i remember it being costing 25 pounds to buy anything and 25 pounds to sell anything um and that made it kind of like right well i need to be absolutely sure about what i'm doing because if i make a mistake it's going to cost me 50 quid do you know what I mean? so um and at the time i was thinking of putting you know hundreds of pounds in not thousands i didn't have thousands so i was just trying to start with something small maybe grow it and I thought well actually just to make 25 quid is like if you had let's say a thousand pounds that's it's going to be in the region of about two or three percent increase just before you've even broken even um so it all became it was all very not something that you want to do so anyway that's all changed uh investing has now become a thing that everyone can do and it's created a bit of a trend at the minute uh, certainly it's in, increased a lot in the last year um, since the um, the government have been paying out uh, checks to the US citizens um, uh, there has been a massive increase in America um, so they've got their trading platforms called Robinhood and trading to uh, oh, sorry Robinhood and Weeble um, which are the most popular ones but it seems lots of people have been taking money that they've got from there and then putting it into the stock market because off when the pandemic hit we had a massive massive crash and everyone thought well <laughs> you've got a, you've got a president trump term it's going to be over soon so mm. i keep hearing on the news the markets crash i'll, I'll just take a thousand dollars and I'll, I'll put it on there and it'll probably come back up soon and i'll make more money that way though rather than putting it into my bank um so it's created a bit of a a bit of a trend with that um People like you and me are called um, retail investors. Um, not entirely sure why, um, but we're not like you know big corporates or whatever. We're just we're normal people who has have a bit of money and we chuck it in. Peasants, yeah, peasants, peasants investing like morons. Um, so it's it's uh, it's a trend, but it's also it's a little bit dangerous because obviously a lot of people don't. A lot of people are stupid, Craig. To be honest with you. They don't know what they're doing and they don't actually spend any att attempts to actually try and work out what they're doing so they'll literally hear that there's been some crazy crazy stocks where like i think kodak was one of them um and there was another company that was going bust where basically for some bizarre reason everyone decided to because it was basically plummeting people thought well stocks always go up that's just been the thing stocks stocks go up they, they, they were going up every day during the pandemic um, and no one really understood why. So they were just chucking money at these companies that had gone down, no regard to whether or not they had actually, you know, whether the company was doing well, what their earnings was last year or anything. They just chucked money in uh, and assumed that it would fix. So we had these companies that were going bankrupt, who were literally telling everyone, we're screwed, we, we're going to go out of business, and they were still going, nah, chuck in some more money. Um, and there's been, yeah, so there's been some really weird situations. There's been... Uh, there's a guy called like a chat room millionaire or something uh, who started talking about how, you know, the stock market is not as complicated as people make it out to be. It's easy. Just, just do what I do. I made a million quid and, and he possibly didn't make a million quid because some, you know, if you had a fair bit of money to stick it, to stick in some stocks mm. have gone up by 
some ridiculous hundreds of percents um, in the last few months. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's entirely plausible that you, if you had a reasonable sum to start with, you could suddenly become a millionaire. Um, so yeah, all this has been going on and that's the current sort of new fun thing to do. Um, mm. But obviously, if you want to do it sensibly, you need to bear some things in mind. They always say that you should only invest what you're prepared to lose, mm. which um, is true. But I also think it's like, I don't, that makes it sound like you could, you're likely, even half likely to lose everything. And, and you're not half likely to lose everything because in, in order to lose everything, the company that you've invested in has to actually go bust. So if you invested in someone like Apple or Google or Facebook or one of the sort of common ones, then that company has to go bust for you to lose all your money. So it's not so much necessarily don't only put what you're prepared to lose. It is, but it's more if you lost everything, could you, it's unlikely, but could you, could you live with it? Could you, could you work around it? Would it devastate your family if that happened? Because you've had mm. all sorts of stories over the years where, uh, you know, pensions have disappeared and, and, and certain stocks that people have, um, their grandparents have had that they've not paid attention to. And then they've inherited it, looked at it and gone, oh, pants, it's some company that's, you know, Kodak or something that's been dying for the past 30 years. Um, more about what you could live without if if it went horribly horribly wrong but even then i would still say the probability of you losing everything is very very low the probability of you losing some is reasonably high um so there are different types of investing um now i know you invest craig so you do what we call passive investing and i do what we call active investing um, and the difference between the two for everybody else's sake, not yours, um, is that basically the idea is that if passive means that I, you don't do anything, um, I just put the money into a fund and then I leave it alone. I don't have to worry about it. Whereas active simply means that you have to do a bit more. But in reality, if you're uh, a lot of the um, people that I listen to in terms of investor who are trying to give advice, even though it's not financial advice, because we're not allowed to, <laughs> um, always say that actually the best thing to do is to put your money in the stocks and then leave it alone. Don't, don't do anything. And actually obsessing over it and watching it is what causes most, most of, the, of the problems. And I can testament that that is true because I've had the last 18 months to two years to learn it. And I've spent the first six, 12 months learning that actually, if I just left it alone, I probably would have made more money. Um, but you kind of can't help yourself when you're getting into it because you want to play with it. Oh, it's gone down. Maybe I should sell it. Yeah, that's all stuff. So you learn all that sort of thing. And then it, it ultimately comes back to the end that they were all right. So just take my word for it. You find a decent place to put it and then you just leave it alone. But what you do is um, passive, active is what I do. The, ultimately, what it comes down to is that if you're going for passive, you're you're giving someone else permission to choose the companies that you're going to invest in. And all they do is they'll pick, let's say, um, what's the S&P 500 is a list of 500 companies in America that are all doing pretty well. There's also the NASDAQ. They're usually tech companies. There's also the Dow. I'm not even sure what's in them. Just old, old boring companies. No one cares about them. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, all they do is they... Well, sorry. 
Don't forget the FTSE, the UK one. <laughs> oh yeah, the FTSE one. Oh yeah, that too. The FTSE 100, FTSE 250, they're just basically lists of companies that are listed that way because of their, either because in like with a NASDAQ's case, it's because of the type of company it is. In the FTSE 100 and FTSE 250, it's just because it's the top 100 companies or the top 250 companies based on their market cap, which is basically just the total value of the company. So the bigger the company, the higher up it is in the index. Um, and all they do is they distribute it. So they take all the market caps of the top 100 and they'll say, right, well, number one is like 20% of the whole market. It's huge. So I'll put 20% of your money into that one. And then the next one down is only 16%. So I'll put 16% of money in that one and then all the way down. And all they do is literally diversify it. They have no idea if you like what the companies are. It doesn't matter. They don't care. They just go, they're the top 100 companies. I'll just put my money in. Which you, on the one hand, means that you're diversified across the whole of the UK, um, in the FTSE case, the whole of the UK's uh, market. But on the other hand, you could have your money invested in companies that you really wouldn't want to put your money into or companies that you know are big now but are probably not going to be that good in the future mm. but passive is considered to be the safer option i'm not convinced that it is because actually from my perspective if i was to look at um some of the big companies in there some of them are you know big oil companies or big um banks and insurance companies and things that are getting slowly disrupted by other technologies for me that doesn't feel that safe to me it's it's safe in terms of if you look at the years over years and years of uh, of the returns then it's it's always done reasonably well it's less choppy but actually if you think about where we're going in the next five ten years i would argue that's not as safe as it is if i was to go right well what companies do i know about and you can still diversify you can still have 250 companies in your portfolio if you want to but you can choose 250 companies that you think are doing reasonably well um, and you can chuck out the ones that you think mm -mm, that's on the way out um ultimately it comes down to risk versus reward so that's if you have your if you have a, a broad spectrum then you have a lower risk theoretically again don't think that's necessarily true um, but your rewards are also lower. Whereas if you said, okay, well, I'm going to pick these four companies and their big growth, new, amazing companies that are doing cool stuff, then obviously if any one of those four companies does badly, you've got, you, you're going to lose your money. But on the plus side, if it does grow, you're going to get way, way, way more back money wise in return. Okay. So you've got choices is to, even when you invest in a, let's say an, a what's called it's called an index or an etf which is an exchange traded fund i think it's called um, basically it's just that that distribution you can choose to go from all sorts of you can choose to invest in the whole country no, sorry the whole the whole world if you want to a global all cap thing which basically says let's take the entire developed world and we will pick all the decent companies across all the different countries and we'll just invest some money in each of each of those now, it doesn't matter whether the, the US is having uh, a bigger spike in the pandemic or the UK are, or there's some sort of issue with Brexit. It doesn't matter because you, you're more distributed. Um, so you could do that, or you could go, oh, actually, no, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to just stick to the UK perhaps, and you can narrow it down to just the UK countries, countries, companies. Um, 
or you can go further down. You can say, actually, I'm, I'm just interested in the health sector or I'm just interested in the energy sector. Um, you can even get ETFs which go like right, right down to um, stuff like um, like vegan companies if you really wanted to. That's and you. You can find, yeah, you can find you can find index funds that are specifically um, focus on sustainability and green technology, or or yeah, ultimately it's going to be again someone else thinking these companies are putting their effort into veganism or whatever the thing is that's motivating you to do it, and you will find one that, that there's usually just pretty much something for everything. Um, so you've got choices there. But again, ultimately, all they're doing is they're choosing those companies for you. Um, so going back to the idea of the global one, um, there's one called the, it's called the Earth, the U-R-T-H. Um, and that's, a, like I said, it's a global index fund. And essentially, the, the entire developed world is wrapped up into that one single fund. Um, and even during the pandemic, year on year to date, the price of the U-R-T-H fund has increased about 10%. On, and on top of that, you also get dividends. So dividends is a whole different thing. Nice. Um, so when you invest in a uh, either either a company or a fund, it may or may not, depending on the company, give you dividends as well. So let's say that the price for a, a single share was a hundred quid. Um, you could you could buy that share for a hundred pounds, and then over the next year, you're in this case, it's now 110 pounds. So the amount of money you put in has already gone up by 10% anyway. But on top of that, every quarter, you may get something like, I don't know, um, a five pound dividend payout from that as well. So you, you, you can collect those extra five pounds as well. Probably less than that, but, but that's how it works. So you, you, you can then take those dividends and then you can either keep that, those dividends and you can use that to with a hundred pounds you wouldn't go very far but if you had much more money in then you could actually live off those dividends um or you can just take those dividends and just reinvest it straight back in so that it just adds to your value of the total stock that you own um i did say that it was a hundred dollar stock with funds it doesn't really work like that you can just you just put in whatever you whatever you've got so if you've got you know 167 pounds it doesn't matter you can buy 167 pounds worth of stock and it just takes whatever you've got and, and works with that mm. Just a quick point on, because you said you can live off it. Uh, that's exactly what the FIRE uh, movement and method is all about. So financial independence retire early, as we previously discussed. It's all about putting your money in the stock market. And ideally in passive uh, global all cap bonds that you can just sit there, leave 10, 15 years and live off it. Hmm? So 4%? Yeah. Yeah. Draw down 4% every year. Uh, so you might have 25% uh, 25 times your yearly expenditure. Put that into account. Uh, once you have that number, draw 4% every year. Uh, they should always grow by at least 5, 5 to 7 is the estimated passive growth rate. And basically, you should never run out of money. That's, yeah. that's the idea. So there are, there are different... Within investing, and I don't get too complicated because it makes you feel like it's too hard, and it, and it, but it really isn't um there are different types of investing so you can you can be a uh, growth investor or you can be a dividend investor or you can be a value investor um there are different ways and essentially all they're doing all they are is just uh it's the companies that you're choosing to invest in so if you're if you're a growth investor for example then you're looking at smaller companies who 
are um, so uh, one company that I'm invested in is, is Slack. Um, so you'll know them as a software company. It's it's a it's a small company, but they make this uh, thing which basically replaces email. And it's definitely a growth stock because they they've only been on the market for about a year. They haven't actually turned a profit, I don't think yet. So that would be an example of a growth stock where you know it's something that you may expect to do well over the years. At the moment, it's not there. So the price reflects the fact that it's not making any profit. What it means is that hopefully, if you put your money into that stock, it might over the next few years, it might it might double, triple, quadruple, um, and that's where you're making your money. So that's your growth investor strategy. Whereas the dividend investor strategy would pick much larger companies, generally people like Coca-Cola or PepsiCo or who those sort of companies. Um, and they pay the dividends, a, recent, a decent dividend out, like um, Disney, I think, is another quite popular one for dividend stocks. So you put all the money into there, and then you don't get much price increase. The price you know, bubbles along a little bit, but it doesn't really change. Um, but what you do get is, is your dividend out. So then, yes, you take your 4%, and then, but obviously you need a fair bit of money to do that. Was it 25 times your earnings? So, yeah. 25 so, years uh, expenditure. So what people often do is when they're starting out, they'll start with a growth strategy, higher risk, but um, you get your much bigger returns. And then over time, as the money increases, they will take up a portion of their overall fund and then they will push that into dividend stocks so that they keep replenishing a little bit until eventually they can do that. And when they're much older, they probably just have dividend stocks and then they live off the, off the returns. Hmm. Um, so yes, as I was saying, even the, so the URTH, that global one has increased 10% and that's during the, during the pandemic. Um, and that's, I mean, it's been the weirdest year ever and yet it's still gone up by 10%. So it shows you that we haven't had a year like this in, in many, many years. So even in the, one of the worst trading years imaginable, even though we're now at, silly highs again that whole fluctuation that people worry about losing all their money what actually happens is that you put the money in weird stuff happens and it will one day drop down by 30 percent and you'll be like oh that's terrifying um but obviously if you didn't pay any attention if you looked at it last september and you looked at it now you'd go oh it's gone up by 10 percent cool and that's yeah. it which is why how, how how do you see that dip though because i mean it depends on how you see it as well how, you know, optimistic or pessimistic investor. I'm like, optimistically, that's a 30% reduction. It's just 30% cheaper to buy more stock. Yeah. So if you're if you're a, a regular trader, then that's how that's how they see it. They go, oh great. The thing more it's more applicable really that um to active you know, for real companies, but you could do certainly do it with passive too, where you can go, oh actually it's gone down by 30%. Awesome. Um that's probably not normal. So I might take the opportunity to, to take my discount and buy some more. Um, yeah. so. I think it's, I would say it's more passive personally in the sense of um, you have a lot more faith that it's gone down 30%, but that it can't go bankrupt because it's a portfolio of stuff. Uh, so you can't ever lose by doing that. And the money will come back given enough time. Take active, you take it more of a risk because yeah, Apple went down 30%. They're probably not going to go bankrupt but you never really know. 
Right, but okay, so they but the, you take those those global those big safe global index funds, and then you, if you look at what the companies they're invested in, this is my point: is that ultimately it comes down to that. Okay, um, some other managed funds will separate some some of them are stocks, some of them are um, property, some of it's bonds, some of it's gold, things like that, and they, they will distribute it out, and those are arguably much much safer but the, for the etfs that just separate them to, to essentially pick out those 100 companies or whatever it is for you um you could do that yourself you might not know what to pick but you could you it's it would be no different than you choosing those exact companies yourself and then you know having a portfolio that was that big when you dive into what those etfs actually buy that's for me where it gets a little bit mm, because so that's a whole point of this conversation was about investing in the future that you want. So if I was to buy a safe global index fund, that means I've put money into companies like Exxon Mobile, Chevron, Royal Dutch Shell and BP, which up until recently, I don't want to say anything that gets those companies. I do actually. Um, but let's just say they don't have particularly high green credentials. They're not companies that you would think, yes, I want my money in them. I want, that's what I want to put my, use my money for. And that's where for me, and if we believe that electrification is happening and these companies are in trouble, do I really want my money in there? Because one day they might just turn around and say, actually, we're screwed. And so that percentage of your portfolio will drop now. Sure, that might only be 14% of the portfolio and it will take a drop because of that. But if you've got something as disruptive as electrification and all, gas, all the gas companies are starting to struggle, if those ETFs don't update themselves and they don't take the money out of that and put them into other technologies because they can't, because as far as we know, it's still the highest market cap until something goes horribly, horribly wrong, then you know you're gonna you are gonna suffer because of that. Now, if you've got the foresight to go, I don't think I don't, I don't think they're gonna do very well. Then you could have just saved yourself that bother not had that loss and put the money in your money into something that you thought was more likely to do well and is better for the world in general. Um, That's fair. So um, there's another, so you can, you can choose ETFs, like I said, which are, are tailored to specific things. So I'm going to give you a couple. Um, one is called, uh, so every stock has a, what's called a ticker symbol, which is just an abbreviation of letters so that you can help find it on the stock market you just type in those letters on google and it'll tell you what the price is i always literally put this the symbol and then share price and then boom google tells me everything i need to know um so one of them is called uh, icln which is the iShares clean energy etf um and it's invested in the largest solar companies in the us as well as utility companies in austria and all over the world um it has a um similar dividend yield to the global one i mentioned but this time all your money is invested in in renewable and that sort of sort of area um if you um and invest in there your share your share price alone has gone up over 55 percent in the last 12 months and that's an etf actually for me that's so high i'd always be slightly worried because you don't expect it to go that much it's almost worrying if it does but you know but that, that's one. It's, a, it's, a, it's invested in the right sort of companies. The US have obviously got a, a bigger um, rise in the solar and stuff at the moment. So that's probably what's caused it. Um, 
but yeah, fifty-five percent in a in a year for an ETF is, considering you're going for five to seven, is is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe you'd like to narrow it down to the UK. We're a UK thingy, so let's let's pick some UK ones. Um, there's the UKSR um, that invests in 162 London stock exchange companies, um, all of which you know, uh, renewable energy, that sort of thing. Um, there's TRIG, which is the Renewables Infrastructure Group. Again, solar, wind, invest in over 70 of them uh, across the UK and Europe. Uh, there's a Legal and General's Future World Fund. They invest in companies which are less carbon intensive or earn green revenues. That's their definition of what is allowed to go in. Um, and yeah, so there are ETS for all sorts of things. And um, I haven't got the numbers of the percentages for all of them, but you can go and find whatever you want, basically. The, the argument is that perhaps right now the growth is smaller than perhaps all the companies, but you are making a difference by investing in them because they will grow and they're doing better for the world. So, yeah, it's a win-win. It is. Um, okay, so... Uh, so, yeah, so we talked about ETFs. We talked about whether it's going for global, whether it's going to the country, whether it's going to a particular sector. But you can also ultimately go right down to the bottom level and pick the actual individual company that you think is doing what you want it to do. So um, I looked into that one a bit more as well. Um, uh, in the UK, we don't have um, the Robinhood and Weevil app. In the UK, um, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of choice at the moment. I currently use Trading212 um, because they provide free investments. There are many other platforms, but I haven't found as many that do the 0% commission. Robinhood is supposed to be coming to the UK, but they scrapped their plans to do that. So um, that will probably happen at some point, but uh, not yet. Um, but in if you have a trading 212 app, basically it's a phone app. You can just go in there and you can look up the companies, type them in, um, you'll see, check them out on Google, see what their financial records are. Um, there's a website which is really, really good, especially if it's sort of new um, tech companies and um, uh, renewable energy companies and people that are trying to do the good things in the world. It's called um, hypercharts.co. Um, it's run by a guy who called Gally, uh, American guy who um, is a bit of a nerd. Uh, he speaks really fast, um, probably a bit like me. Um, uh, and he's very in depth. He gets very excited. Very, he's a very, he's basically quite young guy. He's a very excitable man, but um, he's very good at doing his research. Um, and he's got his own company called um, HyperChange, and he produces his own um, charts. But it's actually really, really good because it breaks everything down for you, shows you all the financials. Essentially, that the very least you should do before you buy any company is to go, are they making money? Has the revenue been going up recently? That sort of basic stuff before you just go, yeah, chuck some money. Um, so... Uh, in that world, you you decide what companies you want to invest in, um, and if your broker allows it. So, in my case, Trading Two One Two is my broker. If they allow me to invest in it, then I can put the money in it. And this is that it's that simple. Um, so, if there are companies that you admire, the chances are you'll unintentionally keep up with them anyway, with just you know news. Like, so I'm a bit of a Tesla fanboy, so I know about Tesla stuff happening all the time. Even if I didn't look at the stock market, 
I would still roughly know what's going on with them. So it's short of anything going horribly wrong, like, you know, start hearing that they might go bust or whatever. There's no reason to go look at the stock price because it's probably fine. And Tesla, it definitely would have been. Um, pardon me. Um, so let's take Tesla as the example. If you invested a thousand pound in Tesla five years ago, and yeah, <laughs> one of a guess. How much would you have uh, now? A thousand pound five years ago. Yeah. 120,000 pounds. Okay, no. <laughs> no. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like they've thousand percented somewhere. Right. Um, no, they've uh, 800%. Um, so I'm, you're going to be disappointed now. You, your thousand pounds has now become eight and a half thousand pounds. Which yeah, my my math were wrong. <laughs> um, so, but that's okay. That's in five years. Weirdly, with Tesla, if you put a thousand pound in a year ago, you'd still have eight and a half thousand pounds because for four years it didn't do anything. It was just basically flatline the entire time. Um, but yeah, so that come if you put in one year ago a thousand pounds a year ago, you'd now have eight and a half thousand pounds. That's just insane. Obviously, that's not normal either. I don't think there's ever been a stock like like Tesla, but um. Um, but let's, if we take a more general approach. So uh, I contemplated what if you, coming into this, you don't know any companies, but you want to invest in good, sustainable businesses. How would you find out what companies to invest in? So um, there is a, there's a, a list of the top, what you can just Google, it was the top 100 sustainable companies and you will come across um, a list that's produced by a company called Corporate Corporate Knights, um, who claim to be the voice for clean capital. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. The voice for clean capitalism. Um, they publish a list every year of the top 100 companies, which are called the Global 100, uh, and it's derived by sifting through 3.7 million data points, and it takes 5,000 hours of work to do so. Um, to eventually come to determine the most sustainable companies. Although weirdly, Tesla, number 69 on the list. So it's, I'm okay. guessing it's done by whether the company itself is sustainable, not necessarily the impact of the sustainability that they are having. Because you could argue that Tesla at the minute, you know, their lithium, um, cobalt, all that sort of stuff, are they themselves the most sustainable, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what their data points are, but just to give you that in context, you, I would say at the moment Tesla are probably doing the, the most sustainability. They think that they are only number 69. I suppose they have the most sustainable potential, but not quite there yet. Um, like it, is, is, is Google on that list, given now the carbon zero? Um, I don't know the full list of the hundred. Um, I, okay. think, I think they are on the list. I can't remember exactly what number it is though. I think they were higher up than Tesla, but I'll have to, I'll put a little mm -hmm. note when I find out later on. Yeah. Um, um, just another quick question, Mark. Can you get an ETF of all those 100? No, I don't believe so. No, I don't, you, but that's what I mean. So you, someone's just come up with a list of hundred. As far as I know, no one's created an ETF for that list of hundred, but if you just invested those hundred, you would have your own, ETF effectively, same diff. Hmm. Um, so I thought, okay, well, let's just say I, I came across this list 
and I just looked at the top three and then I will invest money in it and then I will wait five years and I'll have a look because any investment that you make in the stock market, you should be thinking around a five year time frame. not, you know, you shouldn't be expecting to get returns back in a month. It's an, it's, it's somewhere where you put your savings when you don't need them. And then you come back to it five years later and go like, now I'm going to buy something with it. Um, so I took each company and I looked at it for five years. So the first company was uh, Christian Hansen. They make, they're a sustainable agricultural company um, working with stuff I didn't really understand, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but you can look them up if you want, if you want to look. Um, but yeah, they are supposedly the number one sustainable company. They do stuff with bio, something or others to do with agriculture. Um, okay. If you bought their stock five years ago, you're, you would have doubled your money by now. It's not a Tesla, but if you put a thousand pounds in, you have 2000 pounds five years later. Um, the second one on the list was a company called um, Caring. They're a sustainable fashion luxury. Uh, they have brands like Gucci and uh, Saint Laurent or whatever it's called, Saint Laurent. Um, so they make leather goods, watches, jewelry, stuff like that. Um, if you bought their stock five years ago, you would have quadrupled your money by now. Mm. I feel that's Jessica Alba's company. I'm not sure. The what company, sorry? I believe it's Jessica Alba's company. I'm not sure. Oh. She launched something like that. You can continue and I shall search. Okay. The third company was a company called Neste or Nesti. They're an energy company that works in renewable fuels and recycled plastics. Uh, so again, if you bought their stock five years ago, you would have increased your money by 600%. And that's just the top three. Nice. And there's, there's no link between that list and stock investing. They're not the top three that you should invest in that someone else has done. They've just worked out on purely other data points. But I've just taken those top three and said, right, well, what happens if I invest in those for five years? Well, that's what's happened. So... Um, so maybe you decide to be safe and you, rather than buying any one of those companies, you split your 333.33 prints to each one and mm. you know, do it that way for five years. If you did that, that would have been the safer approach. Um, you would have made, well, your, your thousand pound would now be 4,000 pounds because one was a double, one was a quadruple and the other one was a six average it out and it works out four times. Um, so you'd have 4,000. Mm. Um, so you've made 3,000 pounds, okay? The alternative to that, what most people do, is they put that 1,000 pounds in the bank. So um, if you put it in a bank, chances are you would have made, drum roll please, 64 pounds. 64. That's surprisingly higher than what I thought. 3,064, except you haven't made 64, Craig, because we haven't taken into account inflation. Yeah. During those five years, the average interest rate in a bank account was 1.24%. The average rate um, of inflation symbolic. was 1.59%. So uh, for those that don't know, if inflation reduces the value or the 
buying value, buying power of your money. So if you have a thousand pounds in 2015, you can buy less with it in 2020. So even though you made 64 pounds, you lost about 70 something. I didn't work out that number, but it's, you ultimately lost because of the difference between mm. 1.24 on the way up and 1.59 on the way down, you actually lost money. Yeah. Make 3000 pounds or lose 20 quid. <laughs> Just a stupid. And, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know why we don't all know to do that. I don't know. Cause I didn't know this two years ago. I don't know why it's not, I mean, teaching schools or something. Do you know what I mean? It's just irritating that, so I've been trying to convince my entire family to sort of change how they deal with their finances and including my, my mum and, and, and she would keep coming back with stuff like, oh, well, I, I, I want to keep it in a bank because I think I'm going to use it soon. And it's like, well, that's not an argument because you can, you can still put, you can nowadays with the, with the, with the apps and stuff, you can put your money in, in and you can still get it out. If you need it tomorrow, it's fine. Just take it out. Like yeah. I think yours is in a yours might take twenty four hours to get out. I can get mine out in, in an hour. Yeah, supposedly in a you know more active. Well, I guess that's the reason why I can get it an hour. But I mean, mine's invested in natural companies. Yours is is um in a fund. So yeah, easy and easy out. But um, I suppose the, the the point there as well is banks are paying you zero point two five percent interest, but they're investing your money on your behalf but they keep all the profit. Yeah. So, so that's it. for the majority of people. That's, that's one major issue. If you've, if you've got savings in a bank, it's just, it's dying down there and it should be doing something else. It can be in the passive stuff where you earn five, seven, 10%. If it's a global index, maybe um, all the way to multiplying your money by four. If you put it in something, that you've made yourself. Um, so I, I particularly want anyone who's young and I'm by young, I mean, under the age of 30, um, to, to consider it because I wish I knew this when I was 18, um, uh, cause I definitely would have invested back then. Um, uh, but obviously the, the other flip side of it is, is pensions. Um, and then we've talked recently on the show about how they're, there's, there's still quite a new thing, so you might struggle to find one, but there are increasing number of pension funds who are um, investing the money for you into the same sort of renewable tech green companies that you probably want to invest in. And they're trying to encourage, um, the government are trying to encourage the pension companies to, to, to make you do that by letting you know what the risks are of the companies that you are actually invested in almost yeah. like it's, you know, you're invested in old hat companies who are doing nothing. So, you know, that might change. Um, so yeah, there was, uh, there's so many options with, with pensions, but for me, um, I still don't actually have one, which is. Do bit, not. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, uh, to make you happier. Uh, one thing I can't help is yes. Pension funds are all kind of old school, but you can have a SIP which is a self-invested personal pension where you can buy ETFs. Yes. So that you just is can't, it. Just can't take the money out. Yes. So that's exactly what I would not financial advice. 
But what I'm doing, or what we'll be doing soon, is that I will be putting money into a SIP. So a SIP is a self-invested pension. That's what it stands for. Um, sorry, self-invested personal pension, uh, where basically you get to manage where your money goes, which is exactly the same as what we just talked about, whether it's trading, whether it's investing um, via your ISA, which is, which is what I do most of the time, um, or whether or not it's pensions, it essentially ultimately comes down to the same thing of you saying, I'm going to put my money in this company, this company, and this company, and then sitting back and do nothing, and then coming back in five, 10 years and going, oh, that's nice. Um, so, obviously, again, it's not financial advice, you do you, um, but uh, green investing is definitely on the up, um, and it's kind of like the, it's the people having their own voice saying, we want green, we want to um, do stuff to help the planet, and we're prepared to put our money where our mouth is, uh, yeah. and realistically, you'll probably earn a lot more money in the process. Um, so what's, if you, if you think about it, what's cool is, so we vote, or hopefully we do, um, we make our opinions known just generally via social media or whatever about the sort of things that we want to have. If you invest your money into those companies, you're putting pressure by voting on the government to also invest either money or policy or whatever into helping those companies do better to do more good. So it's a nice win-win situation there. You get them to invest in the companies that you're also invested in effectively. And then happy days. Yeah. No, oh, very nice. And that concludes my rant. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot then. I'm a new investor. I'm a young person who wants to be able to do this. Everything you've said sounds great. Mm. How do I start? What should I do? And again, it's not financial advice. Well, yeah, just... so that's why I have to be very careful because I'm not allowed to. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not qualified. I'm just a dude. <laughs> yeah. Stuff out for himself. Um, so I could say what I've done. Um, what I did is. So, I... Sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. What I did is um, I. So every year you're allowed to put in. £20,000 into an ISA. Um, so last year or the year before, I put my £20,000 into the ISA that I, that I sort of saved up. Um, and I had a trading 212 account under an ISA wrapper. Um, and that means that I can spend any of that £20,000 on individual stocks or ETFs or anything that trading 212 allows you to buy. Um, I can manage it on my phone at any given moment of any given day, as long as the market is open. Um, and um, that's it really. Um, any money that you make, because it's because you invested in it from within an ISA, you have no tax to pay on that, on those gains. Um, you can put, oh, you can only put 20,000 in per year. If you extract it, you can't put it back in. So you basically the idea is to put it in there and leave it in there. Um, what I've done is I haven't even added um, any more to it. I put in that, I put in that 20,000 that first year. I haven't actually added anything else to it yet. Um, I've just simply just worked with what was already in there 
and I've grown that up. Um, you know, because it's been such a crazy year, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend this is easy. Um, sorry, I'm not going to pretend it's um, going to happen like this every year. But in my case, I've over doubled my money in one year. Um, and obviously, if I just picked any one, I, 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 I did it the hard way. I did it by learning all this stuff. And um, you know, investing in that company, you know, getting that wrong, and investing in company not getting wrong, you know, whatever, and, and chopping and changing, um, I could have just picked any one of those companies that um, uh, that I mentioned, and I probably would have made well thirty percent on that <laughs> in the last year. Or if I picked Tesla and I just put money in that one, I would now have way more money than I know what to do with, um, uh, and that would have been uh, the simplest, easiest way of making money in the history of mankind literally i could have put in the full twenty thousand pounds uh back in april last year and by now that twenty thousand would be worth about 175 grand or somewhere in that area and then yeah. i could go and buy a small house so that would be nice i didn't do that though so that's unfortunate no i mean i from a passive investor's perspective, I do think you absolutely lucked out, but uh, you didn't luck up that much as you could have. I suppose if you did stick with it, you would have earned more. But um, yeah, I think from a passive perspective, different amounts of money, but percentage-wise, I did gain about 30%, whereas you doubled your money. So I think you can see the different approaches. My 30% was safer. Your doubling was obviously a lot riskier. But I think it depends on your flavor as an investor. And for me, I'm a bit more safe, you know, a bit more risky. So both of us are investing in an ISA. So all our profits are tax-free. So I think that's the important part that we're playing with our tax, tax-free amount. And yeah. if people have that ability, especially if it's in a bank account right now earning zero, like even putting in passive, really, really safe passive, as, as you mentioned, the uh, old cap, but you know, the sustainable all cap, they safe. You should gain more than a bank will ever give you an interest. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, the some of the um in the the UK ones specifically haven't fully recovered from the coronavirus. We seem to be uh, still suppressed more than in America. So, money that you'd invested in uh, maybe like the Trig one, the the renewable infrastructure group, would still be down. From September last year, but again, you're not looking at a 12 month period, you're looking at a five year period. You should be anyway. So, yes, you are down at the minute, but that would um, uh, even out as it were, iron out over the next few years. Um, so, you as in, if you got a, uh, if you were down this year, your chances are not not guaranteed, but chances are that you'll get a bigger gain the following year and then it will average up. What, uh, what do they always say at the bottom? Uh, past performance is no. Indication of future success. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, we could have another pandemic. There could be some other major crisis. But even when there was the worst crisis we've had since the Spanish flu or whatever it was, um, yeah. it still only dropped by. Well, the general market dropped by thirty percent. Obviously, if you invested in, um, like the big one at the moment is Carnival Cruise Lines. If you invested in them, you'd be feeling a bit sick right now um but again over five years chances are they will recover uh 
Carnival also paying pretty good dividends, I believe. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, pick decent companies and then leave it alone. Yeah, I think leaving alone is the important part. I think that's a bit that a lot of people struggle with. So, yeah, as well, you say, because you see it instantly, it's difficult. As I've said, I've tried to, I've tried to convince members of my family to get in, and um, there's that barrier. Um, it's like an, an age, a sort of a, um, a generation, age-old barrier that uh, certainly people who are older still think see the world as the as the, you know buy sell buy sell world uh we're not there anymore it's we've moved on um uh, i've convinced my my sister i've convinced uh more recently my dad to have a bit more of, of a go um but um yeah it's it's something that you can do well and something you can do terribly at but um if you just pick decent companies and just leave it alone you'll do all right And these yeah. that you know that if you have put some, that's the biggest thing for me is I don't want, like, I could choose any. There was a bit where oil company, uh, so oil price was down, and there was like all over YouTube, people were talking about how you can make absolute fortune on oil price right now. If you buy oil now, uh, well, when it was like a month or two ago now, um, you know, it would, it would by going up so much, but I didn't do it because my philosophy is that I will not profit or invest in any way into any company that I don't believe is doing decent things. So, um, so I didn't invest and that was an opportunity that I knew was potentially I could, you know, it was a, a missed opportunity, but hmm. it's like, you know, it's the same reason I, I, I try not, I try to eat less meat. There's a, there's, you know, there are, I just stick with it. And actually, as I've shown with those top three in that, in that global 100, you can do that and still make uh, a decent profit. Yeah, most definitely. So and I think we could all do with that. Like mine, mine's not sustainable. I do need to look at them. But another reason why I'm a passive investor is because I'm a lazy investor. So I don't typically like to collate on my plates. But so, I probably, I probably should. But yeah, for you, for someone like you, you could still go. Well, actually, okay, fine. But I'll just go with a. Uh, just pick an ETF that's that's focusing a bit more on those sort of companies. Yeah, yeah I should probably start moving to ETFs because I'm currently in funds, um, and I use Vanguard for passive, so that tends to be the lowest fees in the market. Um, so I, I, I like them quite well. But yeah, ETFs I haven't really played with too much. Just typically use the funds. Uh, in some cases, they're kind of the same thing. Yeah, I suppose they are. It is, but yeah, cool. Thank you. That's it. Done. <laughs> yeah, uh, you convinced me. Hopefully, you've convinced someone else. That's the main thing. Well, that, yeah, and it's not you know, I ain't getting out of it. But I, I just, I, I can't stand people putting money in, in bank accounts. I can't stand banks just getting your money. It just annoys me. Stop paying bankers. Stop paying enough. Bankers. Because they get pay themselves very nice amounts of money, and they how they do it by investing your money and then paying themselves with it. Yeah, we Must. can't go bankrupt. We we bail them up with our tax money as well. Yeah, all in all, poor system. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you invest in some 
uh, renewable company. I'm sure there's still some guy at the top of that company still paying themselves a decent wage, but there's just less of them. Yeah, maybe it's more righteously earned too. You know, I've done my part of saving the world a little bit. Like, I mean, Elon Musk, he earns a fair bit, I assume. But, you know, maybe, well, maybe it might be so. I mean, he's always, he's usually on record for saying he, he earns like a pound or something ridiculous. He earns all his money through stock. So, which at the minute, he's doing very, very well because it's all paper money. It's not actual um, real money until he sells the stock. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Right. Well, unless you've got anything else to add. Then uh, only one thing I did, I did look up the Jessica Alba company is honest yes. company, not caring company. Close, okay. but not right. And I've also remembered that it was um, not Chicago. It was a Seattle company. There was the boat company. It was Seattle. Makes more sense. By much the earlier in the episode, <laughs> probably forgotten what that was about, but um, it was there. Right. So that leaves me with nothing else to say other than thank you for watching. Um, invest safely. Uh, Think, educate, and act. And we'll see you next time.